Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Well, good morning, everyone. It really is good to see you this morning, and uh, good morning to all those who are watching online as well. You picked a great weekend to be here on our 80th anniversary weekend. Uh, we are 80 years old. It's our birthday, and for the last couple of months, there has been this sense of excitement and anticipation. No, we're not changing a light bulb right now. We'll be using that a little bit later. Thank you so much, Glenn. But there is, has been this sense of anticipation as we approach a milestone of 80 years together. And we have kicked off this weekend incredibly. We have Friday night, we just had an awesome service. Oh, it was so amazing. Praise and worship and prayer, just a great time together. And then Saturday morning, the fact that such a large group of people came here Saturday morning and we just went all over our city serving. And then of course, last night, Last night, I still hear people say that their bellies are aching from laughing, that their cheeks are sore from laughing. It was a great night. And here we are now at our celebration service. It really has been an incredible weekend. And to all of our guests, and for all those who may be visiting for the first time, we just wanna say thank you so much for sharing part of your weekend with us here at Temple. In 1955, Fortune Magazine printed for the very first time the top 500 most successful and profitable companies in all of North America. In 2017, only 12% of those companies are still on the list. And you ask yourself, why? How did that happen? Well, technology changed, the way we did business changed, and for most of them, 88% of them, did not adjust to the changes that were happening all around them. I've said this before, the average lifespan of a church in North America is 70 years before they close their doors. And you ask, why? How does a once growing, vibrant church that's having an impact in its community all of a sudden no longer become relevant? You know why? Because times changed, and they did not. And it wasn't long before church was being done the same way it was 25, 35, 45, 50 years ago. And Temple has made some significant changes throughout the year so we could reach the next generation. And change is not always easy. I think of guys who dream about one day owning a beautiful two-door convertible sports car. That's their dream. They get it. And then they realize one day, they're gonna to have to trade it in for a minivan <laughs> with grounded McDonald's french fries in the carpet and animal crackers all over the back seat. I've seen grown men cry that day. Change is not always easy. And when we're 18 years of old, we just can't imagine what life's gonna be at 28. We think we do, but we can't because we just can't imagine all the changes that will take place between 18 and 28. And what we see at 28 is far different than what we saw when we were 18. Career changes and technology changes the world and changes jobs and jobs become obsolete and people get surprised by it all. Change is always, always happening. 
And I brought a ladder here this morning to kind of represent the journey that we have been on as a church. In 1937, a group of people who had this vision to build a church that they could call home. And they did. And for $1,313, they bought a building, they bought property, renovated the place, and that was their first home. But let me tell you, in 1937, if you had told those eight believers that one day their church will have to raise millions of dollars to build a facility like that, that would have been so overwhelming. They would have been scared to death. I mean, they had just come out of the Great Depression. World War II was on the horizon. They just could never have imagined that. That would have given them a stroke. And that's why God leads in stages. See, no one can imagine standing on this step here when they're living down on that step. It's it's just too big. It's too big of a jump. And over the years, people were taught things and and they had different perspectives and, and they thought a little bit differently. And each step, like each step, brought a different reality. Each step allowed them to have a different perspective. Each step allowed them to see farther and more beautiful than those who first began in 1937. Each generation gets to see a little bit farther. 80 years ago, no one could have ever dreamed of a place like this. I can say a year and a half ago, I never thought I would ever be part of the temple journey. I mean, I had been praying fervently, God, I'm ready to go to Florida. (laughs) And he sent me to Sarnia. (laughs) And the only similarities, they both end with A. (laughs) But I am thankful for that. And when that group of believers in 1980 began to dream about a place like this, just think about it. In the early 80s, interest rates were at 22%. That's the same price that the mafia was charging at that time. And yet there was a group of people who said, no, we gotta be prepared to reach the next generation and we gotta do what it takes. And many of you were part of that day. And 30 years ago, you stepped out in faith and you built a facility for three and a half million dollars 30 years ago. And what's incredible is that in seven years you were debt free because you wanted to make more impact in the community. Let me tell you, we did not get this far on ourselves. Every step represents a generation before us. See, we stand We stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. See, those who went before us, their shoulders became our floor. Their ceiling became our starting point. We are only where we are today because of those who have gone before us. And it's true, true, times change. There are different needs, different ways of doing church. But honestly, the mission, the goal always remains the same. And that is to connect people to Jesus and to one another. In fact, you are gonna begin to see that phrase all over our facilities in the next couple months. We've been talking about this as staff and as elders. What, what What is it we're all about? We're all about connecting people to Jesus 
and to one another. You're going to be hearing that week after week. We're going to be reminded, what is it that the main thing is about temple? So when people ask you, what's your church all about? You're going to be able to say, you know what our church is all about? It's all about connecting people to Jesus and to one another. See, we're absolutely convinced that the most important relationship that any person can ever have in their life is with Jesus. And we believe life is always better when you do it with others. And so that's what we're gonna be about, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Our budgets are gonna begin to reflect that. Our programs are gonna begin to reflect that's what we are all about. It's gonna help us stay focused on what the main thing is. We're not gonna get sidetracked onto tangents. We're gonna keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is connecting people to Jesus and to one another. In Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, I think it's verse eight, it says that by faith, Abraham was called to go to a place that he had never heard of before, had never been there. God was calling him to a place that he had never been. And let's be, let's be honest, let's be frank, that's a scary place to be, to go someplace that you've never ever been before. Because it's, it's so full of unknowns. And the fact is we love guarantees. We love having a guarantee of our, have a secure income. We love to have the guarantee that our marriage will last. We want that guarantee that our kids are gonna be okay. But reality is there's no guarantees for the future. God doesn't lay out the whole plan for us. And sometimes it just feels safe to stay in that one spot and not move. It gets comfortable. It's sometimes too scary to take the next step. But here's what I know and here's what we have observed. If churches are not careful, they will get stuck in one generation and think that all generations to follow should do things just the way they used to. Sometimes churches get stuck on that one step and yet everything else around them is moving and changing and we get stuck. Churches get stuck if they're not careful. And if we allow that, do you know what happens? Churches get old and there are no young people. That's why it's so important that we listen, that we respect the next generation, even when some of their choices drive us crazy. (laughs) I was given a great piece of advice years ago Donald, if you would be willing to flex on the non-essentials, you can put the essentials into the next generation. I worked with teenagers for years, and I discovered that is true. To be able to flex a little bit, and I look at some of those teens that I worked with years and years ago and just see how they're on fire for God, so passionate about worship. Thankful that I flexed a little bit. We cannot afford to be a church that is exactly like it used to be. That's all part of changing. And I've heard this said multiple times, I love God, but this is about the younger generation, I love God, but I just don't really care for my parents' church. Let's not waste what God has given us. God is not married to a method. And God is not married to a certain style of singing. And God's not married to a certain style of worship or certain kinds of songs or certain kinds of dress. And for us to reach the next generation, 
we're gonna have to be a little bit more flexible. And how do we do that? We listen. We listen to what the next generation is saying. Years ago, when I was a pastor, a youth pastor in um, Maryland and in Virginia, I, um, we, I don't wanna brag, but we had the hottest thing going in town, okay? We had, the, we had a happening youth ministry. It was the largest youth ministry going on. And I came up with this amazing idea about how, what we would name our youth group. Now, if I went to Pastor Dave, I said, hey, Pastor Dave, listen, <laughs> I just wanna let you know, I, I've done youth ministry. <laughs> and I was pretty good, let me tell you. In fact, Dave, I was hot stuff in 1989, <laughs> right? I was cutting edge you should use some of my ideas. Like Dave, I had this really neat idea. I, I, I used to call our youth ministry a SWAT team. It was called Students with a Testimony. I thought, how clever is that? <laughs> and what I remember is I took a group of teens for one month to the jungles of South America. And there we had our shirt, SWAT team. True story, word had gotten to the capital city of Asuncion, and they sent their military <laughs> to find out why there was an American SWAT team in their jungle. It's crazy. Some of the great ideas that we thought won't work now <laughs> in this next generation. But do you know why this church is doing so well? Because some hard choices were made years ago to prepare us to reach the next generation. And the credit has to go to many of you folks who flexed when you really didn't want to do another yoga move, but you flexed. Why is our giving above budget? Why is it that people, we're seeing people all the time give their lives to Jesus? Why do we always see new people coming among us? Do you know why we're still growing? Do you know why there's still a vibrancy? It's because of you. It's because of you. A willingness to flex when needed. It's definitely not because of some preacher or some teacher or some speaker. It's because hundreds of you are engaged in what we are doing around here to make a difference in our community. And the longer that you're, that you're here, the less aware you become of really how great this church is. For some of you, this is the only church you've ever known. And you kind of think that every church is like it, but it isn't. It isn't. I'm so thankful for those who are engaged in what we're doing around here. I'm so thankful that when people talk about this church, the words that they're using... You know, I, one of the common expressions that I hear all the time is, Temple feels like a family. Let me tell you, you have to work hard to make a large church feel like a family, and you're doing it. I hear people come through the doors that when they're here for the first time, they said, you know, I, I just feel like I was embraced like I was a family member. That's not natural. But you're doing it. You're doing it. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for what you do here. And I think one of the reasons that that is true about Temple Baptist because we're not just interested in getting volunteers to work around here. No, no. We're interested in raising up engaged leaders 
who really get what we are doing around here. Things have changed a lot over the years, especially since 1937. And it's not just our facilities, it's not just the people, but it's how we do church as we try to reach the next generation. That's why as a staff and leadership, we're always asking ourselves, what is the best way? What's the best way to have impact in our community? Not so that we can get something from people, but that we can offer to them what Jesus has offered uh, to us. Now, history has demonstrated that church change is not easy. It is not easy. In, In fact, sometimes it gets very tough at times. In fact, you can look back at the early church. Let's step back in time to 2,000 years ago. There was some tension in the church because for 2,000 years, there was one way to worship God. And it was through Judaism, it was the Jewish way. And now Gentiles were coming to Jesus and what was expected is the Gentile had to become a Jew to be a follower of God and to worship God. And so there's this flood of Gentiles coming and, and, and believing in Jesus. And so the first thing that's being required of them, okay, you gotta become a Jew. And let me tell you, for a man to become a Jew as an adult, that was a big decision. <laughs> you didn't take that lightly. And it's true that the Jewish way of worship was, was, was really complicated. I mean, 614 laws you had to memorize and there's food restrictions and there's festivals that you have to, to memorize. It wasn't easy. But really for the Jewish people, they're saying, okay, Gentiles, you gotta step it up. To be a follower of Jesus, yeah, it's complicated. And so this big conflict happened in the church and about 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, it came to a head. And there was this major meeting in the city of Jerusalem and both sides brought their arguments. Both sides brought their perspective. And, there's, and, they, and they were good arguments. And, and the Jewish people stood up and said, listen, um, Jesus is, well, he's a fulfillment of the law. Uh, he, he's a Jew. And, and, uh, and, and the way that we do worship it, well, it was set up by Moses. We've been doing it for 2,000 years. This is no time to change. And then the Gentile presentation got up. And Peter says, you know what? I used to think just like you. I am a Jew. In fact, he's one of the original followers of Jesus. And he says, I I used to think just like that. But I I had an experience over at Cornelius' house that kind of changed my perspective on what it was to worship God. And then Paul stands up and says, listen, I've been traveling all around the country, around the world, and and, and Gentiles are just flooding. They're embracing this truth that God the Father would send his son Jesus to die for the sins of mankind. And so I don't, Paul says, I don't just see, I don't see why, why the Gentiles have to become Jews to be a follower of Jesus. And a lot of discussion happens and a lot of debating was taking place and finally it was agreed upon that Jesus indeed was the new thing that God was doing. And it was decided that Christianity would be not a continuation of what had happened in the Old Testament. And at the end of that meeting, Jesus' brother, James, stands up. You know, I've always felt bad for James. Can you imagine growing up as Jesus' brother? Can you imagine his mom like, James, can you be more like Jesus? Your brother's so perfect. Can't you be more like him? So I've always felt bad that he grew up in that that household. But listen to this. In Acts chapter 15, verse 13, James stands up in this major council, and this is what he says. Brothers, he said, 
listen to me. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Let me say it one more time. Brothers, he said, listen, listen to me. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. What James is saying is that if there's anything that is an unnecessary obstacle, anything that's an impediment for the Gentiles turning to God, we should remove it. This is what is, what is making us think about the future. It's, it's helping shaping us as we think about future uh, ministries and future spending and future messaging and, and, and future community involvement. That we should not make it difficult for people who are turning to Jesus. And that's why we've kind of just kind of focused that phrase by saying we're all about connecting people to Jesus and to one another. There's lots of those things that can happen on the peripheral. There's lots of things that can get us sidetracked, but listen, we're gonna remove those kind of things because we believe ultimately the main mission, the main thing that we're gonna do around here is that we will connect people to Jesus and to one another. And we're trying to work through what that really means. Like we obviously, we feel the importance of caring for one another and Christians and investing in families. But at the end of the day, we want people being connected to Jesus. Those who are turning to Jesus, those who are considering what Jesus is all about. We wanna remove those barriers. In fact, there really should only be one barrier for people. And that's answering the question, who is Jesus? And that's a question that everybody has to answer for themselves. And we believe that as people are wrestling with that, that we would remove the, any barriers that would distract them from who Jesus is. So how do we do that? Not just how Pastor Dave do it, not just how Glenn does it, not how does James or Catherine or Andy, how do we do that? Well, there was a whole bunch of people Years ago, they got together to make sure that this was a place where people could come and get connected with Jesus. And the reason is, you are the church. As you go, we go. See, ultimately, we believe that Jesus came to set men free that which was once dead to make alive again. But we also believe, actually, that Jesus makes your life better and makes you better at life. We, like, we really believe that. Because Jesus has made our lives better and has made us better at life. See, we're not trying to earn our way to heaven. We're not trying to earn God's favor. We're not trying to earn God's grace that's already been done for us. So we believe as Christians, that's because that's already been done for us, our response is completely different to Jesus. And what we want to do as a church is convince people that life is far better with Jesus. And that you can do life better. In fact, we believe when you're a follower of Jesus, not just someone who claims it, but actually follows Jesus, we actually believe it makes you a better mom. We believe it makes you a better dad, a better employee, a better boss, a better teacher, a better namer. We believe following Jesus is a game changer. 
And that's why the main thing for us is going to be connecting people to Jesus and to one another. And so we've been beginning to ask ourselves the questions around here. What are people seeing? What do people hear? What do people experience that are among us? What do people see when they come through our door? That's why, you know, we've been, been, we've been talking about this, even as staff, how important it is that our facilities look like we're expecting guests. That it looks great. That's why we've just invested a lot of money to gut all of our bathrooms and make them look good and up to date. So when people come, they know we've been expecting them. When you have company, you make your house look good. You clean it up because guests are coming. What do people hear? What's the word out on the street? Every bit as important as being preached here is what's being told out there as well, by the way. And I have to say, you are knocking it out of the park. When I look at this Christmas hampers, I think last year it was like 157 families we just kind of took on. That's incredible. When I look at the clothing drive, and that you go above and beyond, you just don't open your doors, but you feed people, and then you drive them home with all their stuff. You're knocking it out of the park. It really shows that we are stakeholders in this community. I met a lady um, a week ago. I'd never met her before, and she says to me, she says, I just want to thank Temple Baptist Church. They actually sponsored me. I was a refugee from Rwanda, and Temple Baptist sponsored me and my family to come here. I want to tell you, we're stakeholders here, and you are making a difference, and I'm very, very thankful for that. And what are people experiencing when they come here? Is it practical? Is it relevant when they walk through the doors? What, you know, what is it they experience? I tell you, one of the things that's very important to me, very important to me, is the way we talk about one another. This will never be a church, <laughs> I pray that never will be a kind of church where we talk about politicians, where we talk about celebrities, like, like they're out there and we're in here. Never. I think the Bible says something about that. Be ye kind one to another. And I have to admit, I, this last month or so, I've, I've gotten a little frustrated when I've gone on Facebook and I see people who claim to be Christians calling celebrities and politicians, you know, morons and idiots just because they don't think the way they think. And the way people think is because it makes sense to them. And the reason we don't get how they think is because we're not, we don't think like them. So it's important how we treat one another and talk about one another. And one of the things we, we just have got, we can never forget is that you are the church. And you are our church. And you are your church. And this church will never be better than you. Our church will never be better than us. And for those who come and attend, and for those of you who are percentage givers, and for those of you who are engaged here, and for those of you who show up early and stay late, thank you. Thank you. 
You are part of every story that is being told here at Temple. Let me say, we are not a perfect church, but we are filled with perfect moments. 80 years, 80 years, and still counting. I'm excited about what the next 80 years holds for us as we continue to keep the main thing, the main thing, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Let's pray. Our Father, we know our time has been short this morning, but Lord, thank you. I'm so thankful, oh God, I'm so thankful what you have been doing among us. Lord, thank you for the new faces that are here. Lord, thank you that there's a vibrancy. Thank you that there's an excitement. Thank you, Lord, for this next generation that is among us and that we have an opportunity to help shape and, and, uh, and soon we'll be passing over the mantle to them. And their view is gonna be so different than our view. They're gonna be able to stand on our shoulders and have a farther view and a more beautiful view and a clearer view of how they can reach their next generation. So Lord, thank you for being patient with us over these 80 years. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for wrapping your arms around us and protecting us from the enemy when the enemy would have loved to have devoured us. And we've just become a statistic of a church that closes. Lord, thank you that we get to be involved in a church like this that really wants to make a difference. Lord, so thankful that we wanna be stakeholders here in our community. And I'm thankful, Lord, that there's a group of people here who desperately wanna see people connected to Jesus and to one another. You are a great, great God. And we say thank you and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.